Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Highland Highway. It's going to be delicious and tasty. Mm. Oh, my mouth is watering. Easy, easy. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Harlan Williams. You are rolling down the Harland Highway. Cool show today, man. Uh, We are going to be taking some calls from some of you pavement pounders about the very first time you opened something out of the box and broke it almost immediately. I had asked you guys to call in with some of these stories. We got a few of those for you. Funny stuff. Also, um, going to be talking about the uh, the disco era. Some uh, some nutty stuff from the seventies. Do you remember disco? Oh yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be getting into some disco lyrics that should put a smile on your face and make you feel good, man. Because that's what disco was all about. And then lastly, uh, an amazing story of an adventure I went on, a crazy adventure that was full of adrenaline and excitement and kind of a once-in-a-lifetime wacky adventure uh, that uh, I will give to you in detail. It's a bit long, but uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. I had a lot of fun living this moment, and I'm going to share it with you. So uh, I hope you dig it. Let's go. Put your helmet on. Get your face brace ready. This is, ladies and gentlemen, the Harland Highway. You're listening to Harlan Williams. Harlan, funny stuff, bro. Funny stuff. Keep it coming. Later. How long have you had this job? Long enough. He's fine as long as he gets his medication. He doesn't get his medications. He's not fine. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. You're a groovy boy. I'd like to strap you on sometime. The Harland Highway. You're all going to experience intense mental, physical strength. All right, hold tight on the Harland Highway show. Don't let me do it. I'll do it, I swear to God. Don't be such a fucking pussy. You're new around here, ain't you? What's your name? You're listening to Harlan Williams. Welcome to the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's get back into the 70s, man. Oh, yeah. You get your elevated shoes on, your white bell bottoms, your afro. Oh, yeah. Your shit done open all the way to your belly button. Yeah. Good time, baby. Good time. Yeah, we with with the roller disco, baby. Oh yeah, we get that disco beat on. Woo! These are the good times. Yeah, we got some good times. Oh yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, we 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 are having some good times, man. I had to play that song to open the show because. I mean, not only is that just a fun song that fills you up with feeling good, you know, basic, simple lyrics, which was kind of the downfall of disco, but at the same time, disco was just so simple and mindless that it was it was actually beautiful. But, you know, people just uh, thought it was shallow and empty, and, and so people became uh, mad at it, and they were like, disco sucks, and they were smashing dis- disco albums and burning them. And if you like disco, you were a loser. 
But if you look back on the disco era, man, it was just it was just pure fun and dancing, and you didn't have to think a lot. It wasn't like listening to Pink Floyd or uh, you know Soundgarden or uh, you know Neil Young. It, there was no deep lyrics. It was just like kind of feel good stuff, and as a result, there's some kooky lyrics that came out. And that's one of the reasons why I'm playing this. I, I caught this song on the radio the other day. And I want you to listen to this next verse because it, it's got a, a set of lyrics in here, the likes of which I, I realized I, I haven't really heard. And they're just, they're insane. But yet they're so innocent and fun. So take a listen. This is, uh, this is the disco band Chic. And not chic as an oil chic, but chic as in chick. That is so chic, man. Um, C-H-I-C. So chic. I mean, this, this whole segment is so chic. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, can you get back to it, please? Yeah, sorry. Um, so listen to these lyrics, and uh, they just made me laugh, and then I'll talk about them after you hear them. Check it out. Did you hear it? Don't be a drag, participate. Clams on the half shell and roller skate, roller skate. Clams on the half shell and roller skate and roller skate. Oh my god. Oh, come on. We all got to sing that one together. You ready? We're going to start with uh, Don't Be a Drag, Participate, Clams on the Half Shells, and Roller Skates. <laughs> roller Skates. I'm going to do a countdown, and I don't care where you are. You know the lyrics now. I don't care if you're in your cubicle, in your car. We're all going to sing this one out loud. I promise it'll put a smile on your face. You will feel good. Are you ready? We're doing it. Three, two, one. Okay, that was good, but I don't believe that each and every one of you participated. I don't know if you're listening. I don't think you're getting the message. Don't be a drag, participate. And I don't think all of you participated. So we're going to try it again. And I don't care if you're embarrassed. I don't care if you're in a mall. I don't care where you are. On three, two, one, you are going to sing this out loud. Or shame on you for all eternity. Here we go. Don't be a drag, participate. Clams on the half shell and roller skates and roller skates. Here we go. Everybody, three, two, one. Don't be a drag, Okay, almost everyone that time. We're going to do one more. I'm going to join in with you just so you don't feel alone out there. I promise you just sing it out loud. You'll feel great. You'll feel good. Oh, let's go. Here we go. One last time. I'm going to be singing with you. Three, two, one. Don't be a drag. Participate. 
Hamlet's on the half shell. And roller skates. And roller skates. Woo! We have got good times. See? Didn't that feel good? Oh, my God. <laughs> so there we go. Kicking off the show. Just had to share with you. I don't think in, in the history of songwriting there's ever been lyrics quite as incredible as those. So I hope that put a smile on your face to kick off the show. Uh, and, oh, you just love it. All right, I got that out of my system. Let, 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 let's uh, keep roller skating along right down the Harland Highway here. One cheeseburger with everything coming up. It was getting into the afternoon and the boat still moved slowly and steadily. But there was an added drag now from the easterly breeze, and the old man rode gently with the small sea and the hurt of the cord across his back, came to him easily and smoothly. Once in the afternoon, the line started to rise again, but the fish only continued to swim at a slightly higher level. The sun was on the old man's left arm and shoulder, and on his back, so he knew the fish had turned east of north. Now that he had seen him once, he could picture the fish swimming in the water, with his purple pectoral fins set wide as wings, and the great erect tail slicing through the dark. I wonder how much he sees at the depth, the old man thought. His eye is huge, and a horse with much less eye can see in the dark. Once I could see quite well in the dark, not in the absolute dark, but almost as a cat sees. The sun and his steady movement of his fingers had uncramped his left hand now completely, and he began to shift more of the strain to it, and he shrugged the muscles of his back to shift the hurt of the cord a little. If you're not tired, fish, he said aloud, you must be very strange. And there it is, there it is, an excerpt from Ernest Hemingway's famous story, The Old Man in the Sea. This is the story of an old fisherman who goes fishing every day trying to catch a giant marlin. And for those of you that don't know what a marlin is, it's, 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 it, it's like a swordfish. It's, it's one of those fishes you always see mounted on the wall with the big fin and the giant nose that looks like a sword. And they're just impressive, massive game fish. And Ernest Hemingway wrote in detail about uh, this old man in a small little fishing boat who didn't even have a fishing rod. He just had, he just had fishing lines spooled on pieces of wood. And the old man in the sea hooks into a 1,200-pound marlin that just pulls the old man's boat for days and it becomes this epic battle out at sea between this old man and the fish that he's always wanted to catch, the marlin. And you're like, great, Harlan, why did you read us that? And I, I'm going to tell you, because although I don't, I don't want to refer to myself as an old man, this guy, <laughs> Harlan Williams, had his own old man in the sea moment. That's right. Guess who hooked into a great big giant marlin? Let me tell you about it. I'm in Cabo. I go down to Mexico, 
and I'm uh, I'm right at the very tip of Cabo there, uh, the Baja Peninsula, which is uh, in in Mexico. That little that little dingle nut that hangs down just under California and goes halfway down the coast of California, and right at the very tip is Cabo San Lucas. Give me another bottle of Cabo San Lucas, man. So I went down with like 16 friends of mine. We, we just decided to go on an end-of-summer blowout. And 16 of us got on a plane together, and we went down to an all-inclusive resort, and we were right on the beach. And all the food you can eat and all the booze you can drink and swimming pools, and boy, oh, boy, did we have a good old time. We had a good old time. Everyone just had a blast, a bunch of friends laughing and joking and drinking and having fun. But as you guys know from listening to the podcast, I am a fisherman. I love to go fishing. I love to catch me some fishes. Oh, yeah, I'm going to catch me some fishes. So, um, so, uh... I decided to uh, book myself a, a boat, a 28-foot boat. And uh, the day before we left, I decided I would go out and go marlin fishing. So uh, we were leaving on a Monday, and I decided to go out Sunday morning. Of course, Saturday night was the big night where all 16 of us went downtown, and we went to the disco. No, hold that. that. Hold that. I'm not in that story. Let's get back to the old man in the sea store. We go down to the disco, and I told everyone, I said, guys, I'm out of here by midnight. I got to be up at 6 a.m. I'm going fishing. And everyone's like, wait, what? You're going fishing? What? What are you doing? Why would you do that? We're here. We're doing the thing. And what, 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 where, where are you going? And, and I'm like, I'm going. So everyone kind of knew I was gone, and uh, they knew I was kind of going out for a big fish. And so at uh, like quarter to 12, I vanish. I get in a cab. I go back to the hotel, and uh, I crash, okay? I wake up at like uh, 6 in the morning. It's been sunny every day, a beautiful clear sky. I wake up on my fishing morning. The wind's howling. The palm trees are blowing. Rain is pounding against the window. I'm like, oh, drats. My, my, my fishing trip, man. Um, don't be a drag. Well, it's on the half shell. Participate. Um, so I was like, I was like bummed. I said, well, you know what? I'll get dressed. I've paid for the trip. I've booked it eight hours out on the ocean fishing for Marlin. I've never done it before. Um, these fish get huge. They're trophy fish. I'm here. I'm going to go check it out. So I wandered down to the front of the hotel. I can look out over the ocean. I'm out on the balcony and I see that the skies kind of opened up, you know, a couple of miles out. There's a little patch, and I'm like, oh, there we go. See, that's that's the patch I needed. All this cloud's going to burn off at 6 in the morning. That's the way it works in the tropics, blah, blah, blah. So I get in the cab, and I motor down to the marina, and the guys are there, and they're like, is it okay to go out? And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, let's go out. So we we get on. It's just me and the captain of the boat and his son. It's the three of us, okay? So we, we bait up. We, we load up. We get the, the, the fishing rods rigged, and we get our fishing license, and off we go. We're, we're, we're heading out of the harbor. 
The water's, uh, you know, a little choppy, but nothing crazy. And the sky overhead is is gray. It didn't. That little opening I saw was kind of filled in. Heesh. And uh, I took some Dramamine before I uh, before I got on the boat because I've done a lot of fishing. I've never been seasick, but I've come close, and I've been in some high seas. I've been I've been in the swells, man. And when the sea gets high and starts rolling, that where I come from, they call that it's lumpy. That's the term they use. Oh, oh, it's lumpy out there today. I'll tell you, by I wouldn't be going out there today, by it's lumpy. That's right. Be careful. It's real lumpy out there. So we get out kind of uh, beyond the safety of the channel. We're going along the coast, and then we kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, the, the Cabo San Lucas is the very tip. So once you pass land, it's it's open sea till you go around the globe and hit the polar ice caps or something like that. That's the end of it. So we scoot out past the, the big jagged rock sticking out. The, the waves are pounding against the rocks. They're spraying up into the sea like landmines have gone off, big explosions of white foam. And now we're out in the open sea, and it's rolling. It's getting lumpy by. We're rolling. We're rolling high. But I'm like, you know what? I'm out here. Let's do it. So we start trucking along. We're out. We're way out there. We start kind of going along the coastline. I can see it in the distance. The coastline's on the horizon. I'm just sitting there rolling up and down, rolling up and down, staring at the shoreline so I don't get seasick. That's how they say you, you, you kind of avoid seasick. You focus on something stable, and it, it keeps your equilibrium in, tr- in tr- check. And I had the uh, Dramamine going, so I was like, okay, okay, I can do this, I can do this. But th- these are high seas I'm in. And the captain's like kind of bouncing around. He's like, you know, this guy's like a, a cat when you drop a cat out of a tree and he lands on all fours. This guy's bouncing all over the place, but he's holding his balance, and he, he puts like four or five fishing lines in the water. He's got some from up above where the steering column is. He's got some trailing off the back. He's got a few sticking out the side. So we got like five lines trolling in the water at various lengths, various depths. And I'm just sitting there, you know. Me and the captain are sitting there watching and waiting. And uh, it isn't long. After about 35 minutes, boom, I, I get a hit. I'm like, I, I realize it's not a big fish, but it's a fish. And so uh, they have those chairs. You've seen those chairs at the back of the big marlin boat. You sit in a chair. It's like it's like they had jaws. Remember jaws? And in between your legs, there's a cup, a metal cup, and the the shaft of the fishing rod goes right between your legs. It's very phallic. It's very very phallic. This big fishing pole between your legs and the cup, and you've got both your hands wrapped around it. Oh, oh, oh. Anyways. Uh, so uh, so now I'm sitting in, in the chair, and I'm reeling up this fish, and it's fighting, and it's playing, and it's doing all the things a fish should do, and we're not sure what it is. We get it up to the side of the boat. It's about a 9, 10-pound nine, uh, tuna. Boom, I got my first fish. I'm hopeful. I'm feeling good. It's a good, good place to start, something kind of medium to small. So we keep going. We keep chugging along down the coast. And the skies are getting a little darker, and the wind's starting to get a little heavier. 
And I'm noticing that the waves are getting a little higher. And so is the captain and his son. And maneuvering the boat's getting a little more difficult. And uh, But we keep going, and at one point I'm just sitting there looking at the horizon line, and a fish jumps out, and it's a flying fish. I don't know if you've ever seen a flying fish, but they jump out of the water, and, and it's it's kind of throws your mind off because it's a fish, but it its fins look like wings. It has two fins. It's two uh, pectoral fins, or no, dorsal fins, the ones that come out the side. What am I, a, what am I from, Finland? It's the pectoral fins, I believe. They come out the side, but they're, they're so big, they look like bird wings. And these fish, they jump out of the water. They come up about two feet over the surf, and they literally fly for about the length of a football field and then you know, kind of nosedive back into the water. It was incredible to see. So we're motoring along, and, and the seas start getting really high. And I start to hear the radio crack when, you know, this boat's got a radio. You know, it's all in, in, uh, it's all in Spanish. I don't recognize it, but it sounds like people are a little concerned and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, we, we keep going, we keep going, and then we start to do our turn back, you know, so we can, we can sweep, sweep the coastline going the other way. And it turns out going the other way, we're going against the waves. I thought the way we were going was tough, but the waves were behind us. Okay? Now the waves are going against us, and we're rolling, and these waves are going up. These rolls are going up 10, 20 feet. I mean, I'm talking really big rolls. So unbeknownst to me, it turns out, Lurtles and Flirtle Blurgans, that a hurricane, a full-blown Category 5 hurricane, is, is churning about 400 miles out to sea, right south of where we are fishing, right off the tip of the uh, Baja. So it's a category of winds at 160-something miles an hour, and what we're getting with all these clouds up above is, is the outer residual effects of the hurricane, which in itself isn't so bad. It wasn't, it wasn't killer windy out there. But what we were getting was the effects of the hurricane from the sea. And so all the, all the big wave action at the center of the hurricane was now being pushed outwards and deflected towards distant shores. And now we were right in the line of fire of these big waves. So the swells, it just keeps getting lumpier, ladies and gentlemen. It keeps getting lumpier. The waves start getting bigger and we're rolling around. And sure enough, I was supposed to be out there eight hours at about the uh, hour 45, two-hour mark. The captain comes down from steering the boat, hands the wheel to his son, who's like doing an expert job at rolling through these waves. I'm not really freaked out because I've been in high seas before. I don't even have a life jacket on. Thinking back, I'm like, man, if I went over, that probably would have been, 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 been the end of this old man in the sea. But I, I just wasn't phased. I'm used to being on the water. I wasn't scared. But when I look back, I go, I probably should have been scared. Those were the roughest seas I've ever been in, and we were only in a 28-foot boat. So he comes down the ladder, and he goes, oh, Senor, uh, listen, um, you, you know, uh, you, you paid for the boat for eight hours, so it's your call, but 
this is crazy. I mean, we we not do we don't like this. We we're not do good in this type of weather. The waves there, Homa Masanda Maria, and uh, and I didn't I didn't have to think twice. I was like, my God, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe we should be going in. This is this is starting to feel a bit dangerous. It's starting to feel a bit crazy. And I was starting to feel just a little bit uneasy in my stomach. Not, I wasn't there where I was going to be seasick, but I was like, yeah, this, is, this doesn't uh, feel entirely safe anymore. And so I looked at the captain as we were both kind of, it was almost like we were dancing because we were both uneven on our feet. We were both kind of keeping our, our balance as the boat's rolling. So we're, it's almost like we're in some kind of samba dance together. The only, only thing missing was us holding hands and samba-ing around in the, in the bottom of the boat. That's, that's how violent the seas were. And, uh, and, and I looked at him, and without blinking, I said, yeah, let's go in. Those are my words, let's go in. And I don't think the letter N had dried on the word in when I said, let's go in. The end was still wet when, boom, something hit the end of one of the fishing lines. And when I say hit, it hit. And all of a sudden, we forgot what we were talking about. We forgot about the storm. We forgot about going in. We all just looked like, yeah, there was excitement. The captain ran back. He grabbed the fishing rod. And he gave it a giant tug. He gave it a, a giant pull. And in, in the fishing world, that's called setting the hook. So what happens with fish is they will, they, will, they will bite onto a lure or a hook, and they will swim away with it, or they will feel it in their mouth. And sometimes they spit it out, or they'll run with it and just spit it out of their mouth. They haven't necessarily bitten into the hook that pierces their skin and goes through their lip or their mouth. Even though the hook's in their mouth and they're moving with it and you feel like you have a fish, if the hook isn't set, you ain't got no fish. So this captain was obviously a, a, you know, a specialist. This is what he did for a living. And he ran back and he grabbed the rod. He pulled it out of the holster and bam, he yanked it back once or twice and boom. And we're all sitting there going, is, is there a fish on? Is there a fish on? And then all of a sudden we're looking back off the back of the boat and the, remember, the lines are way back there. They're, they're, we're trolling. So the lines are way, way back there. And all of a sudden, from out of the churning, boiling sea, in between the rolling waves we're in, we just see this great big marlin come flying up into the air, turn sideways, and crash back into the frothy sea. It's kind of like when you see uh, high jumpers in the Olympics. They run up to the to that bar, they fly up in the air, they arch their back, and they sail over the bar, and they land on the mat. That's what it looked like. It was like this giant fish to come flying out of the sea, turns sideways, levels off, and crashes back into the water. And we're just, whoa! We're all like, yo And the captain's like, get over here, man. You sit down, hurry up, get in this. So here I am. I'm, I'm like wobbling my way like a drunk cowboy with the rolling boat. All the way back to this seat. I plop in the seat. The captain shoves this giant pole in between my legs. And off we go, man. Suddenly I've got a pole in my hand. I'm in the middle of the effects of a hurricane. 
The boat's rolling, and I got a monster fish out there swimming for his life. And I've caught a lot of fish. I've got, like, fish up in the 40, 40 to 60 range category. But this was bigger than that. Suddenly I was Ernest Hemingway's old man in the sea. Oh, my God. I knew it was a marlin. I knew it was a big fish because we saw it jump. And so here I am. And the way it works with marlin and big fish like that, what you do is you lean forward with your pole and you just, with all your might, you pull backwards. You pull. Picture the... uh, Picture the guy uh, on, on the train yard. You know the guy who switches the tracks on the train yard and he's got that, that big iron handle and he slowly pulls it back. You know those old in the industrial age, you'd see these big muscular guys pulling the, the big, the big uh, metal pole back that, that made the, uh, the railroad trains kind of, the railroad tracks switch and click from side to side. It was, it was like that, man. I'm, I'm pulling back with all my might. I'm straining. I pull back on, on this giant fish, and then I start. Then I let go. I let go, and I push the, the rod back down to the water, and in that moment, you reel as fast as you can. So you pull back. You're pulling the fish towards you. Then you let go. You let the, the rod go whipping back, and in that moment, you reel up, and you just keep fighting for for footage. You're fighting for footage of line. Five feet, six feet, seven. You're slowly pulling this thing closer. So I had never been on the line with a fish this big. I'd never felt so much stress and strain reeling in a fish. And here I go. Instantly, my, my hands are cramping up. My arm hurts. My back is, is getting into it. My heartbeat is just like boom, 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 my, my adrenaline's rushing. I'm, I'm pouring sweat from the excitement immediately it it's like uh it's it's like imagine you're just walking and all of a sudden somebody said fight off three football players coming at you and that's what you're doing all of a sudden so now i'm in it man i'm bending down i'm pulling back i'm bending down i'm pulling back and and after a while i'm fighting this thing and it's it's like for for all the line i reel in he he just takes off with more line he just goes, he swims and starts stripping. All that work I did is for naught. He's like he's like this big fish out there, and he's like, I'm not coming towards you. You you come towards me. So I spent, uh, you know, five minutes reeling in just, you know, 8, 10, 12, 30 feet. He's, he decides to turn the other end and go, and he takes 100 feet. I'm like, exactly. Blah. So I'm just killing myself, and at one point after a while, I turned to the captain. And I said, "Captain, you got to take over, man. You got to take. I need a. I need a rest. I couldn't do it, man. My my arms were numb. My back was dying. I I I, I was sweating. I was out of breath. I mean, this is work. So the captain jumps into the chair. And goes, "Okay, I reel for five minutes, and then you get back." I said, "Yes, yes, yes. I just need to recuperate." So sure enough, he jumps in. I go sit in the thing, and I'm just, like, breathing. I'm like, <gasps> I'm watching the captain take over where I was. He did it for about five minutes, and, he's like, and then I'm like, okay, let's, let's switch. He's like, yeah, get back in here. So now I'm back in, and I'm fighting and fighting. And finally we see the, the pectoral fin, uh, the dorsal fin, I should say. That's the one on the back. 
sticking out of the water. He's getting closer and closer and closer, and I'm fighting the last. Turning, turning. I'm all numb. I'm, I'm out of breath. I'm, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. Boom, we get him right up beside the boat. Whack. Oh, the guy, the, 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 the captain gets, gets the gaff hook in the, in the side of this marlin's cheek. This thing's giant. Now we, we're in the rolling seas, and we got this great big giant fish on the side of the boat, and, and uh, him and then his son comes running down. He actually leaves the controls of the boat. I don't know how he did it. He comes running down. They both grab this giant fish. One of them grabs it by the pointy nose. It looked like a sword. The other one's pulling it in on the gaff hook, and boom, the thing flops in the bottom of the boat. Oh, oh my gosh. They get a club out and whack. They hit it on the head before I could even say, throw it back, throw it back. I kind of wanted to throw it back, but I kind of wanted to keep it. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, and, and, and there it is. We, we got the marlin in the boat, 160 pounds. The captain was freaking out. He's like, you know, most of the time the fish we catch here, they're only 100 pounds. You, this is 160 pounds. And then on top of that, he goes, most people spend their whole life trying to catch a marlin. You come out for two hours and you catch a 160-pound marlin. He was laughing. He kind of couldn't believe it. And then when, when you look at the, the water we were fishing in, he kind of couldn't. They, they were kind of laughing. We were all kind of laughing. It was so crazy. And then, of course, about two minutes after we got it in, it happened. All of a sudden, I just felt my stomach go around a corner. I was like, oh, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Over the side. <coughs> Puke. <coughs> Seasick. It wasn't a lot because I didn't eat a lot that morning. I knew that there was a chance I could be seasick, so I didn't eat very much. And uh, I hung over the side only, only for about two, three minutes maybe. Seemed like forever. I got it out. And it almost seemed fitting. I mean, I'm hanging over the side. These waves are rolling. I'm getting sprayed. The puke's getting blown all over the side of the boat. I know. I hate to talk about it. But I, I thought to myself, if I ever had to be seasick, this was the time. This, this was high drama on the high seas. Ernest Hemingway would have been proud. Uh, we got back to the dock. We were kind of the talk of the, of the dock. At that moment, everyone gathered around this big fish. They had to wheel it over to the scales, and we hung it up by a great big rope by the tail. 160 pounds, 110 inches of striped marlin. Um, and people were, people were getting in and taking pictures of it before I even could. The tourists and locals were all gathered around, and people were shaking my hand. People were asking me questions. How did it happen? How did you do it? Oh, my God. And it was great. And for a moment, I felt guilty about taking that big fish out of the sea. But then I go, you know, I fish everywhere. And, and uh, you know, most of the time, I throw my fish back. I'm a catch-and-release guy. I have thrown hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fish back in the water, in the ocean, in, in lakes and rivers, I've thrown way more back than I've ever kept. It's rare I keep a fish, but sometimes I keep a fish. 
And then I thought, oh, I've got to throw this one back because it's so big and it's it's 160 pounds. But then I thought, no, that's how big these fish get. That's what that's what marlin and sailfish do. They this is how big they grow. So there's a ton of them in the sea. Maybe not as many as as schooling fish like cod and mackerel and things like that, but but you know, this is the size they get. So you know, and they also by the way get a lot bigger than the one I caught. I mean, I think these things get up to like 8-900 pounds or more. But the area where we were, this was considered uh, quite large. And believe me, when I hung this thing up, this fish is, uh, you know, I'm almost 6'2". This fish was way bigger than me, like twice the size of me. Just uh, I think it was nine feet long or something. So not twice the size, but it, it was a big, it's a big, I think I posted a picture of it on my Twitter account if you want to. Go and join my Twitter account, at Harlan Williams. You'll probably see the picture in there somewhere. I'll post it again. So uh, I felt a little guilty, but then I rationalized, and I went, you know what, just because it's big doesn't mean I can't keep it. So I kept it, and to honor the fish, I'm getting it stuffed. And I'm, I'm, not, getting it st- I'm not getting it like phoning a taxidermy place and going, oh, yeah, I caught a 160-pound fish, and they pull a 160-pound mold out of the wall. No, no, no. I, I, I insisted that they use the real skin, the skin of the fish that I caught. Yes, indeed. So so I'm going to honor that fish. I'm gonna, that fish will be sacred. That will be a once-in-a-lifetime trophy fish for me. And I gave all the meat to the villagers and the captain and the fishermen. They all got some delicious, wonderful, healthy uh, fish meat. And and the last thing that, that I'll talk about, because this is a long-ass story, but I, I hope you're enjoying it because I enjoyed it. I got back to the resort, and uh, and I bumped, I believe it or not, I bumped into some of the, the 16 uh, crew that I was with. The, the group of friends I was with, I actually bumped into them at the breakfast buffet. Because I was back so early, I was supposed to, they said, what, what, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be gone for eight hours. Uh, they're like, oh, the weather, huh? You had to come back in. I said, yeah, we had to come back in. They go, oh, you know, some of them are like, oh, so I guess you didn't get a fish. And I went, no, no, I got a fish. And they're like, what? I hold up my iPhone because I took some pictures, of course. And they're like, what the hell? Everyone was pretty blown away by the fish. I was blown away by the fish. It was quite the adventure, and uh, it was a great, great time. So there you go. Hemingway's Old Man in the Sea, and uh, hopefully hopefully, I, I, uh, I embodied that, uh, that wonderful story that he wrote with my adventure, pulling in Marlin on the high seas. And Cabo San Lucas. Eres tan bonita, ay, pero mentirosa. Engañas a los hombres. Siempre con mentira, con mentira, mentirosa. Eres tan bonita, dice, pero mentirosa. Engañas a los hombres. Siempre con mentira, con mentira, mentirosa. Hey, Harlan, my girlfriend and I both want to share our stories of something that we got and broke the second we used it. For me, when I was a little kid, uh, it was my birthday. My 
dad bought me a Transformer toy, but it was like a really expensive, big, elaborate toy, and it had like these really complex transformations. And I was transforming it for the first time out of the box, and the head broke off. And um, I was obviously upset, and it never, you know, I just had to live with it like that for the rest of its life with me. And uh, my girlfriend wants to share her story. Here she is. Hi, Harlan. Um, when I was little, for Christmas, I got a Sky Dancer. And the first time using it outside, it went up and up onto the roof, never to be seen again. And my second Sky Dancer, the same thing happened in the tree. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Have a good time. Oh, boy. Chow mein. Wow. Chow mein, man. Chow mein to your sky dancer. Chicken chow mein. Well, I, I don't even know what sky dancers are. Are those fairies? Are they Are they elves? Are they Are they kites? I, I, I guess it's. it could be in the... <coughs> excuse me. It could be in the name. Sky dancer. You know, you, you let something like uh, out of the bag with a name like that, it's going to hit the sky, man. Um, so be on the lookout for two, uh, stray sky dancers, everybody. And maybe they're being chased by a, uh, a transformer without a head. Maybe, maybe, uh, that could be the Ichabob crane of the transformer world. You know, the, the headless horseman that you got a headless transformer guy that could be creepy. But the thing with the Transformer is, you know, it's made of all kinds of different parts. So, in all honesty, you could have just grabbed anything around the house and, and stuck it on there. It could have been like, you know, a Transformer body with a ketchup bottle head or a tuba crest toothpaste head or your shoe. You know, it could have been a Transformer guy with all metal parts and a hair dryer for a face. I mean, you, sh- you should have got creative. Okay? It can be anything you want. Excuse me, children. Has anyone seen Mummy's vibrator? Um, no, Mummy. I'm just playing with my Transformer um, G-Spot-Tron. Okay, well, if anyone sees it... Your Transformer has a very pointy head. Yes, Mummy, that's G-Spot-Tron. Okay, I'm a little suspicious and a little bit aroused. Mommy? Mommy! <laughs> so there you go. Thanks for uh, calling in, you guys. I did ask uh, if anyone had, uh, you know, broken something, uh, you know, almost when they got it right out of the box or the first time they ever used it or tried it and uh, got some great calls. Let's let's do, let's take one more before we end the show. This one uh, kind of made me laugh and cry at the same time as well. Hey, Harland. Uh, this is Brian, and I was calling in response to your homework assignment about uh, calling in about something that uh, I had busted the first day I got it or something like that. And I had put in a very nice garage gym and even put in a 8-foot by 8-foot mirror and on the wall and uh, had that set up and then I decided to put in a, a heater, a little portable heating unit and that would 
give me the climate control for the winter, and I made the mistake of putting that next to the mirror. Well, I found out that the heat would break the mirror. So after bringing in this 8-foot-by-8-foot mirror into my garage, putting it up and everything, uh, I promptly broke it and then had to call and have it replaced. Not very interesting, but I just finally thought of something that met your criteria, so I was calling in, and I listened to your podcast uh, religiously, enjoyed very much, and uh, hope all is well with you. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, Brian, Brian, Brian. Yes, it's interesting. How how many people here have, have put a gym in their garage and put big mirrors up and put the heater on and baked them and had to have them explode? No one? Just you? Yes. It may not be interesting to you, but to us, it's fascinating and mesmerizing. Um, that sucks, man. When you have a big mirror break, that's not, that's not only a pain in the ass. That's dangerous. That, that, you got big, giant shards of glass all around. And I think you probably had, what, seven years of bad luck? Hopefully you're through that window now. Um, and, and second of all, you know what? Brian is a dedicated listener to the show. I want to give a personal thank you. Um, he uh, calls in and comments a lot about uh, things on the show. Appreciate it, Bri. Bri, Bri. Um, and, uh, and to all of you out there who are dedicated listeners, thank you as well. But special shout out to Brian way down there in, uh, Texas, the big old state of Texas where people put a big old mirror on the wall in the gym and in the garage and flex the muscles so big that the, the mirror go bust right off the wall, man. That's probably what really happened, right, Bri? You, you, you flexed. You got those pectorals going. You're like, there goes your mirror. And that's interesting, too. But thank you for listening. All of you, thank you for listening. Uh, We ran a little bit long today because of my long-ass fishing story. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly uh, have some incredible memories of uh, the fishing and all my friends down there in Cabo and the great time. And uh, maybe I'll have to do it again one day. Uh but for now, let's get to uh, some announcements, ladies and Nurgle Blurgans. Um, let's see here. What do we have going on? I believe this weekend, uh, this weekend I will be in uh, Utah. I will be in Salt Lake City at Wise Guys Comedy Club. And uh, it is, uh, is going to be good. Um, it is going to be real good. Um, it's a great club. You can get tickets. Uh, I'll be there uh, September 19th and 20th. That's Friday and Saturday night only. Go to harlanwilliams.com to get your tickets, and we usually sell out in Utah, so get there and get there fast. Great club, great shows. Can't wait to see you. harlanwilliams.com, Wise Guys Comedy Club in Salt Lake City. Uh, and then the next week, starting September 23rd, yes, I start my west coast of Western Canada, the Comzilla Comedy Tour. We're going from Victoria, B.C., and uh, we're going to uh, Vancouver. We're going to Calgary. We're going to Regina, Saskatoon. 
uh, all these great places. You can go to harlowwilliams.com, click on my stand-up schedule, and you can see all the dates. Again, get your tickets early. Uh, it's going to be a blast. The Comzilla Comedy Festival. And then coming up in October, haven't been back for a while, about a year, October 10th and 11th, I will be in Denver, Colorado. Isn't the pot legal there now? I don't know. Maybe should I go on stage stoned and record it for you people? I don't know. That could be a dangerous experiment. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, lots of good stand-up coming your way. Uh, October 16th to the 19th, I'll be in Edmonton, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, at the uh, Comic Strip, an incredible comedy club. So lots going on. Um, if you want to uh, write me, you can write me at harlemwilliams.com. If you want to leave me a voicemail like uh, these other callers did, uh, 323-739-4330. And that number is also available on the website at harlemwilliams.com where you can also... Go to my store and buy merchandise, or you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's all free. You just click on the YouTube subscribe button, and anytime I post a wacky video, you will get it for free. As I mentioned earlier, I'm at Harland Williams on Twitter. If you want to uh, get on the Harland Williams Twitter bandwagon and uh, get all my wacky posts. And man, oh man, I think that's it. I think that's it. So uh, until next time, everybody, uh, you know, don't be a drag. Have your oysters on the half shell and roller skate, roller skate with your chicken chow mein, baby. Fun time.